Hey, guitar wankers, how you going? It's uh, Troy here, and we are throwing this episode up. This is one that just got lost in the mix, so we're throwing it up. It's a little long, but we just thought we'd put a long one up. That's what she said. So there you go. So sit back, relax. I don't even know what episode this is. Does it matter? Not really. I think this is at the end of the year, and uh, hopefully you've had a great Christmas uh, great holiday whatever you celebrate and you're safe and you're well your family's safe and well and uh just sit back and whatever you're doing yeah join us in uh, this hang we will see you all next year be safe thank you for supporting guitar wank we really appreciate it and who knows how long we can still go on for it's really up to you so uh support us in any way you can guitarwank.com guitarwank patreon and uh, get Bruce's lessons, leave reviews, tell your friends, wrap it up, give it to your mum. All right, up your bum, thank you, be safe, and we'll see you next year, 2021. It can only get better, thank God. All right, guys, thanks. I've got my love to keep me warm. Just like a love. I have got my love to keep me warm. By the way, you know, you know when the, the Leland Sklar came up one time? I think I already told you the story, but when oh, I was yeah, on the, the road with Billy, yeah, Billy he, Cobham, yeah, yeah. we were talking about Spectrum. And yeah. I was just saying, man, I mean, you that was a really groundbreaking record for a lot of people. It, it really really broke ground because i had a, a at my school or where, where i went um i was at palm beach junior college in florida then and all we studied was bebop that's it and my teachers were really close-minded they were just all about bebop that's all they wanted to hear right but when they heard spectrum for the first time and they had heard a little bit of my Ma- vision orchestra a little not much, but when they heard Spectrum, they could relate to it more because it was closer to like traditional music. It wasn't so crazy like all the different time signatures of the Mod Vision Orchestra and all the crazy ass stuff that they were doing harmonically. The Spectrum was kind of straight ahead, like almost like a straight ahead jazz record, but just with a rock beat. 
Right. They're still playing bebop solos and and Jan Hammer was playing great and they had a little bit of blues from Tommy Bolden. So it was kind of traditional. So my professors all really dug it. It didn't it didn't like completely wig them out, didn't didn't freak them out like what the hell is this? They really enjoyed it and they wanted to teach it to us. Right? Like they 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 dug that we were interested in it. Right. So when I was talking to Billy about that, he's you know, he realized that that album was a big, big, big force in music in bringing like that type of jazz into the greater, into the public, right? What year Probably are we one talking? of the main albums that did it. Right. What year is this? Like, Jeez. What, what year did it come out? Good question, man. Uh, before I came to LA, so we're talking, what, maybe 70s, late 70s? Right. So, you know, because this album wasn't so off the wall crazy like a lot of the fusion albums were back then, you know, it, it was more just straight vamps and funk, kind of like bitches brew in a way, just with funk beats. Right. You know, a lot of vamps. You know that record. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when I asked Billy about it, I said, you know, wow, I really got into that record because Jan Hammer plays so good on it. Tommy Boland plays his ass off on it. In fact, one of the the most memorable solos of that whole time period was his solo on Quadrant Four with the Echoplex. I don't know if you remember it. I I, I I'm not familiar with the album, so I gotta go listen yeah, to this man. shit. Troy, it's a it's a it's a motherfucker. It came it's out about seventy three or four. Yeah, it's a motherfucker of a record, man. It really is. And and so anyway, I was talking to Billy about it since it was his record. And it was funny because I said, man, Tommy Bowl and Jan Hammer. And I said, I can't remember who played bass. And Billy just said, you're not going to believe it. <laughs> and I said, well, ooh. And he goes, Leland Sklar. And I was just like, wow. That old dude with the <laughs> long white beard is that funky? I was just blown away. I had no idea he could do that because I always knew he was a good session player, but I had no idea that guy could play so funky. Leela, he's got to be one of the baddest motherfuckers on the he's planet. A bad I mean, from Phil Collins no to Vince Gill. I mean, yeah. everyone. This guy has done everyone, man. He is a yeah. badass. We've got to get him on the show. I think he's amazing. Oh, I man. love Leland. I'm a fan. I mean, I'm a fan. He's so funky on that record, man. He's great. We've we got to yeah. get him on. Yeah. But that's all I wanted to say about about you. Hello, you real good girl, you. <laughs> Come here. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm I'm babysitting. Oh, okay. I'm babysitting this one. So um. What I do gotta, you think about Leland Sklar? What do you like, Leland Sklar? Do you like Leland? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's got. She's got mosquitoes. Facebook rant. <laughs> she's got mosquito bites that she's allergic to. Man. We right. never used to have mosquitoes in LA, and now we've got mosquitoes. It's fucking... It's, wow. I need to move. It's bullshit. Wow. It's ridiculous. My missus and my kid are allergic to them, so when they get bitten, it's like massing swelling and... Oh, no. Yeah, so... And you know what? I haven't seen any here so far. You can't, you can't get rid of them. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do against mosquitoes. Nothing at all. Can't you can't you put up one of those electric things and they zap them? They don't work. That's the biggest fucking bullshit in 
commercial advertising is mosquitoes aren't attracted to light and they're not when you get the buzzer that uh, kills insects you're killing all the insects that you shouldn't kill you're not but killing you, you may yeah. be killing one or two mosquitoes but they don't oh. normally attract to that they're they're attracted to carbon dioxide your sweat and humans they're attracted to you know, us i did a couple gigs up in the north of Sweden where it's like dark all the time and there were massive amounts of mosquitoes and the only way you could keep them off you was to wear the repellent you had to put it all over your skin yeah that was the only way and that's all chemical shit and yeah it's bad probably, man. I mean, they probably have safer versions of it now hopefully but I remember having to put that stuff all over me every every night I was there for like four days doing <laughs> workshops and the mosquito thing was insane. They were just thick everywhere. And they bite. And they were the biting kind. Yeah. So, like, ouch. I got attacked the other night. And I never get attacked. And I was I was covered, like, wow. just ridiculous. So, but wow. you, guys, you guys continue and talk. I got to put some cream on this kid. And um, okay. I'll be back in a second. So, you guys talk. So, Bruce, what, what's weird. The, what's, the, what's the deal with the fires up there? Are they c getting contained more? Uh, for I am, yeah, they're, they, we're we're luckily out of the out of the danger zone. There's plenty of fires going on right now. Because you know this bobcat fire down here, the last time I read, it was only like nine percent contained, and that's yeah, it's burning up. But you know, between like Arcadia and the Mount Wilson Observatory, and yeah, and see, that's it, really close to me. Yeah, I know. That was remember where I used to live down there. That's really close to Sierra Madre. Right, right. Um, yeah, but it's burning up in there. Yeah, that's a big fire that's going uh, for uh, where we are. The fires up by San Francisco are the closest. There's a bunch, you know, over near Fresno. Uh, there's one down in Big Sur that's kind of just you know they're going to let it burn, but it doesn't appear to be moving in our direction. Uh, but the fires that are really close to us, luckily, are not happening right now. But we're not out of the woods. You know, I mean, there's still a good month and a half of fire season left. And uh -huh. I live in a wooded, I you know, in that what they call like the forest urban interface. You know what I mean? I'm kind of in a wooded canyon. Uh -huh. So uh, we got to be just vigilant. And, of course, it's smoky as shit a lot of the time. Here it's really it's. I mean, you can smell the fire as soon as you walk out of the house. You can smell it, you know. But I've seen pictures, of course. Yeah. But I'm not exactly sure. I know they said Duarte. Um, no, no, it's it's further west than that. You know, it's closer to Monrovia and uh, uh -huh. and Arcadia now. Um, okay. But I mean, Duarte probably has it too. But I have a lot of friends in Arcadia. Yeah. Yeah, and Monrovia, I mean, me too. And Sierra Madre, I got lots of friends there still. I mean, luckily they've been spared. I I think they'll be able to spare the Mount Wilson Observatory. You know, they have a lot of water stashed up there and good clearance. And that's a pretty high-value spot with all the observatory and the, uh, uh, you know, like the TV antennas and radio stuff. So right. they're kind of highly motivated to save that as best they can uh -huh. but yeah man it's just it's really i mean california's on fire man it's been going that way now for a month and looks and like Oregon. we're going to be going that way until the uh the rain starts in november yeah you know? i meant to call jennifer batten because i know that she was in a hotel 
you know, because she got evacuated. Yeah. Yeah. And but I haven't called her. I, sh I need to call her. I just forgot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I was evacuated for what, those five, six days back yeah. know, a couple weeks ago. It's, you know, and I've still got I mean, I've still got my to go bag by the door. You know, my go bag, you know, it's got my important papers and all the stuff, you know, in a backpack ready to go. And I've got my main guitar in a case by the door. I don't leave it out anymore. You know, it's always packed, ready to go. Right. And there's a couple of things that I've moved off to safer places so that I don't have to worry about them should I have to leave at a moment's notice, you know. Wow. And it's a new way of being, man. This is just, you know, we live here. And this is what we get, you know, right now until we deal with this shit, you know. And I don't even know what I don't even know what that is, man. Don't you know? Don't get me started. I'm in a bad fucking mood. I brought a whole fucking bottle of scotch to this tonight, man. <laughs> what are you in a bad mood about? Everything, man. I feel like I'm tired of getting kicked in the balls, baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's like you know, even when they miss by a little, it still hurts. You know. <laughs> what what the fuck? I leave you guys alone for five minutes, and you're already hitting the bottle. I mean, you know, one good thing is I got to say, these times really give you a damn good reason to be an alcoholic, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you're, you know, you're alcoholic in today's times, you want to know how you find your alcoholic name, you know, that whole thing, like, you know, you take your first letter, letter and your first day you were born and all that shit, you know what I mean? You know how you get those names on the internet? Yep. Well, for today's alcoholic name, what you do is you take your first name and your last name. <laughs> I saw a, a review of Guitar Wank recently, and basically the whole review was around they drink a lot. <laughs> oh, they drink a lot. Well, you know, we, really, I'm the only one that does. You guys are kind of like falling down on yeah, the job. Yeah, I feel like I've drank the less. Days, the old days, we drank a lot more. Yeah, we did, you know. And I'm holding up the tradition, and you guys are, like, bailing on me. You see, another reason why I'm getting kicked in the balls. This is pissing me off here. I mean, how much responsibility do I, as one person, have to assume here? Hey, I'm taking on the... a whole bottle, so you're doing a good job. Yeah, well, I had to bring a whole fucking bottle to make up for you guys. <laughs> I'm taking on the Tom Hanks um, uh, forest yeah, gum when he runs through the desert. Away, right. You call like me that you call me Wilson, and that's it. Oh no, you're doing the Tom, you the Forrest Gump. No, you look more like a Castaway dude. Castaway. Man. Well, Forrest Gump when he's running through the desert, right? And he's. I know, but you still look more like the guy that fell in love with a fucking volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at myself in the mirror today, and I just thought, dude, I need to address this shit. <laughs> uh, you know, go ahead. I haven't cut my hair since like January, man. I've got COVID hair. I used to be I used to be blonde and now I'm completely white. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. You see, there you go. You know what I mean? I'm gonna drive trucks for a living. That's there what I'm you doing. go. <laughs> you know, you won't be because you know, pretty soon they'll drive them fucking selves. And then there's another kick in the balls. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, man. Oh man. Fucking world, man. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck you. You know, you try to do a good job and make it help, happy and healthy for everybody. What do they fucking do? Kick in the balls, man. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, at least we have it all in I'm common. I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm not sorry. I'm going to need to go get ice. At some point, I'm going to need to go get ice. But other than that, fuck you, motherfuckers. <laughs> and I got that much further to go. And I'm holding my hands up by the size of a, of a, you know, Irish person's erect penis. <laughs> Scott, this could be a long episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm beginning to realize that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should have signed on for this one. <laughs> I should have said, I don't know, Troy, I'm kind of busy. <laughs> but that would be a lie because I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I got a gig. I got a gig. Sorry, I can't make it. so much going on, man. I'm just kind of busy right now. <laughs> yeah. That's why podcasts are so popular right now because no one's doing shit and all these people are, I got nothing to do and all these podcasts are getting all these big guests and that. And what is Guitar Wank doing? Nothing. We're freaking. We're freaking. We're fucking holding the world together for these fucking people, man. We're not. Well, we're, actually, actually I, I will admit that it is about time. It's coming near the time for me to get to work and I'm actually going to go into writing mode and actually write another record. So, whoa. I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's you know I I took some time off from it, and I think it's good that I did. But now I think it's time I get off my ass and get to work. You you're know, get, so. you're getting itchy feet. You're ready to go back into the hole. And it's not that I really want to do it. It's just that it's my job, and I feel like I've I've neglected it. And and uh, you know, I I've had a lot of fun, man. I've been transcribing some really hip shit. I've been listening to a lot of solo guitarists who are really, really, you know, really great harmonic developers kind of not you, not listening to guys playing tunes listening to guys either playing their own tunes or just going for it you know without uh without a, a tune you know what i mean just playing it is there someone that you've listened to recently we've just gone motherfucker what that yeah was, who? absolutely pedro martins oh i'm not familiar if, if that, that would be the guy that if i had to say is the hippest, youngest, most badass motherfucker out there? That would be him. Wow! In my opinion, what's that his name? Pedro Martins. Pedro, he's Mart a young kid. He's got an album on Kurt Rosenwinkel's label. Um, he's friends with uh, Genevieve from from uh, Nowhere. Right. So they're they they. I don't know if they're a couple, but they're they're good friends. They played. He she. He plays for her a lot, you know, but he's a badass. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that he's a badass because I think he's any better solo guitarist than so many great solo guitarists out there, but he writes mm. and the stuff he writes really appeals to me. So he's got a couple videos on YouTube of him playing the music that he's written solo guitar style but i can imagine that it could be just as easily played with a band you know what's but, he playing is he on acoustic or electric or uh it's just you know just like a jazz box right yeah. you know just a, I, I don't know what kind but yeah right it's not a gibson but it's something it's right. it's like you know a, a big jazz box he's getting getting i wouldn't say the greatest tone in the world but it sounds good you know like right. there are other guys that get better tone but He's, you know, um, maybe still developing that. He's just a young kid, man. But, but um, boy, the compositions, wow. 
just brilliant, brilliant. And, um, you know, he plays his tunes. And then he also just goes for it. You can, you can kind of tell when he's just going for it because it's not quite as brilliant as when he plays one of his tunes because he's worked on it, you know. Right. And you can tell it's a tune because certain sections repeat exactly. And, yeah. you know, his tunes are pretty complicated. I would say along the lines of the Wayne Shorter writing on Atlantis, where, where there, a song might have quite a few sections. Yeah. But, but he does, it doesn't just go forever without coming back to sections. It comes back and repeats sections every once in a while. But long forms, big right. long form. Right. You know, but really just beautiful, beautiful comp composing and beautiful playing. And uh, yeah, like he's one of the guys that I've heard that I really like. And of course, Kurt, um, there's a really good uh, concert of Kurt um, that I saw. And then I was able to download it and I've just been watching it and it's brilliant. You know, he plays some really beautiful voicings. Um, he's ripped those voicings that are down low on the bottom four strings or the, you know, the bottom end of the neck. And when I say bottom, I don't mean vertically. I mean, horizontally. Right. So he's playing a lot of the bass part. Yeah, the bass part of the guitar. He's playing a lot of voicings on those those low strings, and they're really beautiful. And um, he he's what's really cool about him is that he's able to play and make the the single notes and the chords really seamless. Like Bruce can do that, you know, that seamlessness between chords and single lines, and. The only difference, I guess, between Kurt and Bruce is that Bruce, when I hear Bruce doing, he's usually playing a tune where Kurt is just going for it. He's not playing a tune. He's just like, okay, here I am with my guitar. Let's see what happens. Right. And he just goes for it. Yeah. You know? And that's the kind of stuff I'm most interested in because what I've been hoping, I guess, I don't really know, actually now that I think about it, but <laughs> the reason I guess that I've been studying all this stuff is that I hope it makes my writing happen faster. You know, I don't, I don't think it's going to make it any better, but I just hope that it, I'm able to like get stuff down on tape or hard disc quicker by playing. And, and, and basically this whole COVID thing has been a giant ear training lesson for me listening to classical music, listening to this music, listening to that music, transcribing this, transcribing that, I would say that I hear so much more shit than I heard before. It's not even funny. So it's just a big, giant ear training class every day for me, ever since this fucking pandemic started. You know, you, so, I was checking out um, just some of the other podcasts. Guitar, you know, the pop, most popular guitar podcasts are classical-based. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And, I, mean, I mean, some of those, and I, I delved into that world a little bit, and it's been a while, but fucking hell, the the talent and the technique, those yeah, classic it's players, amazing. unbelievable. So the, the funny thing is, is that, now I don't know if I'm speaking out of my ass right now when I'm saying this or not, but what I've heard on YouTube from classical guitar players seems to be that classical guitar players play more traditional music than piano classical pianists and 
this is just my experience. Other people might have different experiences, but when I see classical guitarists online, they're usually playing Bach, right? Or they're playing they're playing Mozart, or they're playing they're playing guitar arrangements, and it's usually by the composers we all know and love. But I ain't hearing any Scriabin. I'm not hearing any Debussy. I'm not hearing much Ravel. I'm not hearing from the modern cats. But the piano players are playing that shit, and my wife's students are playing it. Wow. In fact. They're playing these tunes by by composers I've never even heard of. And I ask, you know, my wife, I, I say, who the hell is that? And when did he, when was he around? Uh, he was somewhere between this period and that period. And he's got some kind of rusky name. And I have no idea. If, I'll never remember it, you know, forever. You know, I'm not going to remember any of these guys' names. But they're writing this beautiful music. And I'm just not even, sh- I don't know enough about those time periods in classical music. Should, should we have him on the show? I think they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, a couple of things. I mean, just to unpack all you just said. First of all, the way to know you're talking out your ass is the smell, probably. <laughs> um, anything funny? <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh yeah, I mean, classical guitar, the, the repertoire is really varied, but generally the the, the world, you know, and, and this is even true, if you didn't have the, the, the luck of having a wonderful classical pianist in your house who was interested in that music, you, you know, they, I mean, if you were just listening to the same sources you listen to classical music, I'm guessing the piano would seem similar to you. Probably. It's just, you know, there's a lot of crazy shit happening. And I mean, luckily at my school, you know, I've got, you know, all those great classical guitar players there. And and I've become aware of just some of the new ways they're playing. There's a lot of improvisation in it. There's a lot of new textures and techniques. And of course, classical guitar players are really good a lot because, I mean, unlike us jazz guys, they separate the work. You know what I mean? The players play and the composers compose, and you know, and basically, us jazz guys, we try to be both, you know, and uh, you know, I mean, just when you when you do twice the amount of work, sometimes the work doesn't get done as well if you're just focusing on one particular aspect, mm-hmm. and, and that's my opinion of just like you know, classical players kind of generally play better than most jazz players, but they don't really know as much about what they're doing as a jazz player does, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that's not a value judgment. That's just, that's a generality. Of course, there's lots of jazz musicians who would break that mold, just like there's lots of classical musicians who would too. But, um, and there's just lots of, of modern stuff, you know, how much the world's interested in hearing it, how much the, the, the people that promote music want to promote it, you know, and put money behind it so that it comes across our radar screen. Cause you know how it is. It's like, even in, in today, especially in today's world, without the outside world being part of our reality, everything comes across the screen. Everybody's fighting for screen time, you know what I mean? And it's, it's really tough. I mean, you're really lucky. You've got an amazing classical pianist, you know, you're living with who's interested in that stuff. So you get to get, you know, beyond, way beyond the, 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 the internet radio station phenomena of actually you get access to a world that most of us don't even know exists, you know? Yeah. It's Great. I'd love to hear what, how that affects, how that affects your writing of your next record. I mean, that sounds really exciting. Man. Well, I don't, I don't know how it will. All I know is that 
all I know is that when I pick up my guitar and just start playing, I go places that I never went before. But that being said, you know, you, you, there's a big difference of how you perceive something when you play it and how you perceive it when you listen back to it. So a lot of times I thought I was playing good shit and I recorded it and listened back and hated it. You know, so that could happen just as easily now as it could have like a year ago. And regardless of whether you're playing over a song or not, I mean, that's that's still true. I mean, I'm doing the same thing. I'm playing stuff I've never heard. I mean, I've never heard from me before. I'm sure somewhere in my past it's uh-huh. come across the radar screen because it occurred to me. And maybe some of it actually occurred out of a just a sheer moment of of luck or brilliance or you know like you know imagination and a lot of times it's just shit you've heard before that finally you're ready to hear it and play it at the moment it comes you know i mean none of us really know that right i mean every good thing i've ever written and probably most every good thing i've ever played i'm suspect that i've heard it before somewhere and i'm just regurgitating it i don't know for a fact that that's true Sometimes I do find that that it is more often than not I don't, but that doesn't mean it's not. You know, I mean, there's like so much music in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, a person like me who listens to as much music as I do and plays with as many people, how can I assume that really when something kind of comes to me that it's really coming from that place that it never existed? I just managed to put these sounds together. You know what I mean? It's like. Well, I guess that comes with the analyzation of what you did once you listened back to it. You know, I guess but that doesn't still trace its origin. It's it's its origin. No, I don't. But I don't really care as long as it sounds fresh to me, and I know that I can't recognize it. That you know, then I'm good. Like okay. as as, but you know, I mean, but that's as as someone that's doesn't come over point. and say, "Hey, that sounds like Hey Jude." <laughs> I know, but I mean, it doesn't negate my point. You know that that you know where its genesis is and you know and that doesn't even matter i mean really to me where i'm about is like a person expressing themselves you know whether you're you know a person playing bach a person playing gershwin a person playing mozart a person playing anything the blues it's like are you telling your story you know that is really what i'm concerned about oh i've heard that before i i mean i don't really ever recall myself having that particular response to something it's either i like it or i don't you know i mean yeah well i have i mean i have to say that uh you know how can i put this i guess there are i don't want to mention any names but there there are there have been guys who have put out records and you go whoa this guy's been listening to way too much this or that and you can tell that it's like maybe it's like too close to what some other person does or something like that um or trying to sound too much like one person like that that's always a fear because i know that i have how many parts richie blackmore and jeff beck and john schofield and george benson and and jimmy page and blah 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 i mean i guess of luck i'm lucky that i've listened to a lot of guys and not hopefully not too much of one guy but but you know there's always that fear that you're gonna oh that's you know i have definitely ditched shit on my records because no that's too this 
because I listen back to it and I go, nope, to this or to that, because it's going to be, I know what people are going to say when they hear it. They're going to say, ah, that came from this guy or that came from that guy. And I'm not ashamed to like say that, that I make those mistakes and hear them and, and X them and throw them in the trash, even if they're good, because I don't want it. I don't want to be compared to somebody else, you know? So it's, it's not only, thank you. Thanks. It's not only about quality for me. It's also about innovativeness and it's also about, it's also about, um, um, an originalness about it. Something that's original. It has to be original. It, it can't be too much of a copy of something else. It has to be something that's a little bit innovative or at least someone when they say, when they hear it, they'll know it's me. That's all I care about. They have to know it's me, you know? And if I can't, if I can't do that, then I have no business doing it. That's how I feel. That's just my personal that's, yeah, that's yeah, I know, I know. But again, you're 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 ascribing so much to to the to the exterior objectiveness of somebody when you're subjective. That I, I mean, really, I mean, what a person says, you have no control over what their experiences. You have no control over what their realm of uh, of of their you know what their aesthetic is coming from, what their knowledge is from. You know, and I mean. It's just like somebody could say, I hear electric guitar that's distorted. Oh, it's Jimi Hendrix. You know what I mean? I'm talking about a person that knows something. You have, not... you have to live in the world of knowing your original, and it's what you believe in. No, I realize that. I'm When I say they, I'm kind of talking about me. Yeah, I know. You know because because <laughs> they, you, can't, you can't say they because you're right. Like, how many, how many bass players have heard Gary Willis and says, oh, he sounds like Jocko? The truth is he doesn't sound anything like Jocko. The only thing that makes him sound like Jocko is that he plays a fretless bass. But for a lot a of people, closer to the bridge than the average guy. Yeah. But, but you know what I mean? Like if you hear a guy playing fretless bass, you think Jocko. Right. And, and, and frankly, Jocko wasn't the first guy who played down near the bridge. No. And there's a lot of guys that have, have really played some completely innovative shit on the fretless bass and don't sound anything like Jocko. But to the guy who's very, only heard Jocko, he's, they're going to say, yeah, that guy sounds like Jocko. You know? You know, it's funny. To me, the thing that is most identifiable about Jocko is not the fretless. It's actually that he played so close to the bridge and had that you know kind of a lot of mids in his tone yeah and uh and he was by far from the first guy who ever did that you know and and i'm not saying jock you know jocko was a fucking genius you know and an innovator and a person who changed the world right um and, and a lot of it was, you know, his use of harmonics, you know, like that people don't talk about. You know, they're all talking right. about this and the frontless and that. I mean, it was just so many things about him that right. are so genius. Uh, Sorry, guys. I'm eating my dinner while I talk to you guys. What are you eating, Scott? I'm having, a, like, you know the baked potatoes they have at the baked potato? <laughs> I hope you're not having that. <laughs> I'm having a homemade version of it, which is actually way better. Oh, uh, yeah, that's not happening. I mean, no diss on baked potato. But they should, they should fucking up their game on their baked potato. Sorry, sorry, um, Justin, but your your baked potatoes there fucking suck. <laughs> it is a well, shit. You know. It's shit food at baked potato. You don't go there to eat, but you could. 
you could go down to eat, but they need to fucking revamp their baked potato. How hard is it to cook a fucking baked potato? When you're called the baked potato, for fuck's well, sake. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute here. First, you have to learn how to say baked potato. I'm saying baked potato, mate. No, you're not. You're saying baked potato. <laughs> baked potato. Baked potato. Seriously, I went to the baked potato. Every time I've been to the baked potato, I've had a baked potato, and it tastes like fucking ass. It's hey, shit. What was the last time you pooped? <laughs> I pooped twice a day. I'm a massive pooper. I'm a master pooper. I think you're pooping right now, actually. <laughs> Justin would be so mad if he heard this. Justin would. Well, you know what? Fucking get someone that can cook a baked potato. I could get in there and cook a baked potato better than those fuckers. Come on. You're Jesus called the Christ. baked potato. You should have legendary baked potatoes. Legendary. Baked potatoes suck. Your music is amazing. Your baked potatoes suck. For fuck's All sakes. Right. Paying those fucking prices for those oh, guys. Meals. I'm gonna go get some ice and a baked potato, but I'll be right back. <laughs> this is Rant Rant McCubbin. Wow, Rant McCubbin. Really mad. Fucking mad mosquitoes. I got glass in my foot. Fucking can't get it out. I haven't What's got COVID. From? I should be happy. Glass. Yeah, I stepped on glass in my foot, and it's just been, I knew it was oh. there and I thought, ah, oh, it'll come out. Now it hasn't come out. It's gone deeper. Now I've got to dig it out. It's pissing me no. off. But I, I got nothing to complain about because seriously, I got, I got no COVID. I remember when we went to Hawaii and Angela, my daughter, Angela, she was about 10 at the time and she stepped on these sea urchins. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. I had to dig those out of her foot with a needle. How old was she? About 10. Oh, fuck. She must have been losing it. And Well, you know, she did okay. She was actually really brave, but, wow. it, but it was hard to dig those things out. It was really hard. Wow. Yeah. What the fuck is going on now? What did I walk in on? <laughs> Nothing. We're talking about sea urchins now. <laughs> All I can say is that, that your wife just texted me that she's complaining that she found you in bed with a baked potato. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Justin will never come on the show again. Have you seen any of those streaming shows from from the Spud? I yeah, I, I seen a couple of them. I can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw a couple. They're great. I mean, they're they're great and they're horrible, and they make me realize a lot about what we all we got to be careful how the world is going. We have to stay current. You know, I mean. I know, and we talk about this a lot, but right now, the world is now digesting and consuming music through this portal called the internet. You know what I mean? And uh, the world where we went and heard 90-minute, two-hour-long concerts, and they were just great, you know what I mean? I just, I find that... Uh, the length of things needs to be, uh, for me, in, in this medium, personally, things need to be uh, more concise. Yes. You know what I mean? It's just like the, the way that I found myself wrapped in a spell in a club with the sound and just into it and, you know, being able to go deep into the music and the nuance and the energy for a long period of time, I find that on the internet, 
it just doesn't have the same ability to hold me. No, of course not. Well, no, I'm just saying. No. But, but, but my point is, is I'm worried that like a, 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 a realigning of our perspective in general is happening to the, I mean, not us musicians, but to the world who listens to music. And like, perhaps we may enter a world when this is all over where sets are going to be, need to be shorter. We're going to need to think about being more concise and direct in the way we deliver the music, you know, in, in a world where, where, where it was kind of changed back in the day when recording started, you know, I mean, the two and three minute song happened because of the recording world, not vice versa. I mean, people weren't playing that way. They just, this recording could only go so long. That's why songs were that long. I mean, people were playing a lot longer than that. And then all of a sudden to record it and sell it, it had to be what whatever the disc could hold. And, and now to this day, we're still used to the, you know, the three minute song, right? You know, in pop popular music and such. The and songs I mean, on my records are 20 minutes long and there's only three of them. Yeah, I know. But, you know, I mean, but and disc jockeys like it because they can put Scott's record on and go take a shit in the morning yeah. and come back. <laughs> they, can go, but, uh, they can go get a divorce. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but, um, but I mean, my, I'm really honestly talking about, you know, okay, the world is like used to kind of channel surfing the equivalent on the web, whatever it's click through or whatever you call it. Uh, and and so I think that it, this might be affecting the music. It's something we have to, as as artists, be aware of as we come through this. You know, I mean, I think we might start seeing clubs with like 30 minute sets, you know, with quick turnovers of bands and stuff. You know what I mean? Instead they, of they were kind of doing that a lot. Well, you know, I, mean, I think, okay, well, I think we may see more of it yeah. just because of this interface training people to hear and to experience stuff in a specific way. Because I found my, even myself, who, and I love these bands, that's why I paid the money to watch them at various places all around the world. I found myself at about the 40 minute mark, you know, going like I've been staring at the same thing for a long time. And I knew damn well that if I was in the room with it, I would be in a magical spell. You know, but on the internet, I'm kind of going, okay, what else we got here? You, you know, know, you know, it's going to happen, Bruce. You know, it's going to happen. It's going to be, um, it's, it's going to be like, uh, the Facebook Oculus where you, you, you virtual reality and you pay for that seat to sit at the front row at the baked potato and, um, you can sit on your couch and you got the headset on. That's where it's going. I mean, that just seems like an obvious choice. And well, then you'll be, then you'll feel like you are right there. Like you will you know, feel. There's something. There's something else that I'd bring up is that there's something about listening to music when you're uncomfortable, and I mean physically uncomfortable. You're sitting in a hard chair <laughs> at a table, and it's not comfortable, and and you're. It makes you more alert. You're alert. Like you're not, you're not being rocked asleep by a theater seat with that's all cushiony. You can't fall asleep. You know, I know for sure that the liveliest crowds are club crowds because they're sitting on wooden seats or standing up, 
and they are so into the music because that's all there is to be into. So in other words, like if you play a plushy theater and they're all lying back in their little cushy seats and they're falling and they're, it's not the same energy because they're too comfortable. And they, you know, it's like to get their arms out of those foamy seats and clap, it's almost too much to ask. They're too comfortable, you know. So in a way, that's what this internet thing is. You're in the, you're on the couch. You're just so, you're in your bed watching music. You're so comfortable. I don't think you get, can give it the same attention, the kind of attention that you can give a band when you're in a club and you're sitting there on a hard stool and you're looking at the stage and the sound is surrounding you. What a completely different experience. I would agree with a completely different experience. However, I will say that you're, you know, I mean, you're, you're also forgetting about the distractions that are inside the club that you don't have when you have the stream. In other words, you're sitting at, at, at you know, in a place and the people next to you are ordering any, or eating a baked potato. They're bumping into you. They're fighting with the da-da-da-da. Somebody's delivering a drink. Uh, there's numerous distractions. You know, somebody's got really bad BO or really bad uh, breath right next to you. No, I mean, this is, I mean, and I love, I mean, this is the club experience, which I grew up in and I miss, and I want to come, I want to come back. At the same time, you've got a lot of people saying to themselves, well, shit, you know, I mean, I can watch this stuff at home and I'm comfortable and I can drink cheaper liquor and, you know, better liquor and I don't have the distractions, and I don't have to worry about driving, you know, 45 minutes both ways. And, I, I mean, my point is, is I don't have a dog in the fight. You know, I liked it the way it was. It's the way I grew up. So even if it was worse or if it was better, I still like it better because it was my, it's my history and my experience and what I'm comfortable with. But I think we all have to be aware of, this six months has changed people and we ain't even done with it yet. And we, you know, I mean, when I started Grumps TV, I did the Sanatini. I mean, I don't know if you remember that, you know, the martini with hand sanitizer in it, you know, da, 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 funny joke, blah, 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 whatever. Like now a Sanatini doesn't even mean anything. Like people forgotten about the hand sanitizers and that it was like a, it was like scarce and a big, you know what I mean? It's like a sanitini. What are you talking about? Or I've got that little earring I wear that was a roll of toilet paper because everybody, there was a run on toilet paper when the quarantine started. People don't even, in six months, they don't even fucking remember. What do you mean? Hold it, hold it. Do you know what? We're living in Trump Trump world. Like everything no, no. is, every, hold, no, it, no, hold no, it. Everything no, is no, like. There's nothing yeah, to do no, with but no matter. But it's the same thing. Everything is like, if it's two days old, dude, it's old. We have got zero attention span. Like, it is okay. so old, um, so that's quick. That's what Trump world. I mean, I think, I hate to tell you, that was happening before this started. Well, that, that's true, worse. but that's where we're at. We're I mean, zero I'd attention love to blame span. that cat on a lot of things, but I think this one is like. You tell really a joke deep. once. You, you only have to tell it once. It's old already. Well, after you tell it once, it's old. It's done. Yeah, I know, but but I mean, just follow me. What's happened? What my point is is the experience. We as artists, if we're going to consider ourselves artists, if we're guitar players and we're craftsmen and we can play every style or be good, that's great too. 
But if you're going to like go that step and consider yourself an artist, then you're a part of the world, and you're and you're shining light on some new some aspect of things, whether you're you're enlightening or whether you're uh, uncovering, you know, or whether you're exposing. That you know, that's that is what that's the value of art, and we have to stay aware of the fact that we are living in as you would call it, Trump world, but I would just say a quickly evolving landscape right now. TikTok. And we need to, the smart ones amongst us will be aware of that and use it to our advantage to make a point. That's all. You know, and I mean, whatever that is, we're all going to do it our own way. And some of us will be hailed as stupid and some of us will be hailed as visionary and some of us will just be not even noticed <laughs> most of us <laughs> but i mean that is what it is and we you know we have to kind of accept that i mean i mean i i my bigger problem is is the ignorance not the fucking uh speed the, the celerity with which things change to me it's the ignorance it's the willful jettisoning of our collective fucking history that no one knows a fucking thing about or cares about that's what bothers me and i don't know why i care i'm old i'm gonna die and all young people can go ahead and you know like not even i mean i got i got master's degree students at at a, at a university that don't even know who stephen foster was okay i heard on fresh air today Fresh air, you know, Terry Gross, the big NPR thing. Marty Stewart singing Black Veil, that old Lefty Frizzell song that Johnny Cash also had a hit on. This is an old thing. And they were kind of treating it like it was his song. And there was no mention to the history of that song, of, of the stuff I heard, the way they presented it. Now, I could be wrong. I didn't hear the whole thing. But the way it came across was like, this is a Marty Stewart thing. Marty Stewart, you know, I mean, it was like, he was like 12 years old when that came, not even, you know what I mean? It's like, we but have Bruce, to you gotta admit that people can enjoy music and enjoy art without necessarily having to know its history. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. But, but I have a problem with, with, with complete uh, people who are, who are grooming themselves to be experts on a subject uh -huh. with, 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 with abject, what appears to be willful disregard for his right, and they have no clue. Basically, that's that's a problem I have. No, I don't really care. You could play the guitar and not know who fucking Jimi Hendrix is. I don't care. Sure. Don't get a master's degree at a university, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I I told you about that student that came into my room and he said, you know, I he wanted to be a blues player and i said oh, great you know like who do you listen to do you ever listen to bb king <laughs> he had no idea who that was <laughs> and or any of the other great blues players and i was like dude don't you think that if you're gonna play blues you probably ought to listen to some some of the guys that were super famous playing the blues and then i asked him to play and of course he had no idea and then here's what here's one thing that was great i had this kid um he showed up for three weeks in a row without a webcam. So I couldn't even see him. And he was an Asian kid. And he said, you know, I'm just going to watch and watch with the other kids. Cause I don't have a webcam. And 
I've never really improvised and I'm not that good. I, I can't really play. I've never improvised in my life. And I go, okay. So two weeks went by with him on the, on the, his name on my zoom screen. He didn't say much. Finally, the next week he came early and he came all by himself. There was nobody else there and he had a webcam and I said, okay. So he's just this Asian kid young, you know? And I said, well, when you say you can't play, what do you mean? He says, well, I've, I've practiced some, but I've, I've never really played. And I said, well, what do you do for music? And he says, well, I listen to Albert King and BB King and buddy guy and all these start naming all these cats. So I go, well, that's cool. You never improvised though. And he said, no, not really. And I said, well, why don't you put on a blues backing track and play some for me? And he did. And he started playing and he sounded really good. Like he sounded like an authentic blues player. And I think that just came from listening right. to those guys. There's because no when he played, he sounded, you know, really good. And I said, dude, you, you know, you had me believing that you can't play at all, but you actually sound really good. You right. sound like a pro. Not, I mean, there's room for improvement for sure, but you're surprising me here because you sound much better than you made it made me think you were going to sound. I was right. like, you sound good, man. You, you're listening to all the right guys, and you sound like a pretty good blues player. So don't right. put yourself down. But see, that's the kind of shit that surprises me. It's not as much about practicing as it about listening. Sure, totally. You know? And that but kid just kind of also like, by. It's also about listening to what people say. I mean, Scott, if I showed up and I only caught the breaks of your baked potato gigs. I would probably think, you know, you were like, you know, one of those shredder guys on a video because you're so down on yourself, you know? I mean, I fucking sucked. I sound like shit. Da, 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 da. That, I mean, of course, I heard the music, so I know better. But if I only heard what you said on the breaks, <laughs> really, I mean, I'd walk around going, God, I don't ever want to hear this guy. And, of course, you know, the truth yeah. is the truth. But, you know, I mean, it's like... Yes, it's of course it's what you listen to. And, and I'm not talking about somebody who's just playing and telling their story. I'm talking about somebody who's getting a degree in music. Who's yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's a person who's going to teach the next generation of people. Mm -hmm. And yes, I mean, I, call me a whatever you want to call me. I think Stephen Foster is an important person in the history of American music. And we need to understand where he fit in the whole continuum of it. And I think it's very important if you're going to get that degree and you're going to be an educator of this music. I'm sorry. That's just my opinion. You think he's important? If you know about it and you play, I mean, all I care about is what you play for on the gig. Right. But is he more important than Todd Rundgren? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Uh, no. I, I can honestly say if Stephen Foster didn't exist, there would probably be no Todd Rundgren. <laughs> there would probably be a lot of nobody. You know, I mean, who knows what this shit would have ended up Land like. Landau wouldn't like that. <laughs> he wouldn't like it. You know, no, you know, we yeah. got to go. It's like Back <laughs> to the Future. We got to go back and save Stephen Foster. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, it's just a matter of... Uh, <laughs> of, of, of things of you know introducing things from the past and and whether you're introducing them as a uh, 
as a thing that you care about and you're and you're uh, building upon or something you're just sort of basically using to get your own shit across. Yeah. You know, there's a big difference there. And you know it as well as I do. I mean, you can take some old thing and kind of turn it into your own benefit, or you can take some old thing and give honor to the past and move it forward. There's, there's, there's two different dynamics there. You know, there's a ripoff and then there's a, a, a pioneer. In this well, same we're, we're all influenced by music of the past, and we we always will be. And future generations of musicians will always be influenced by the past, which will be us. So, and, and, and hopefully, they, hopefully, we won't obscure the real past so that they'll no, be. I don't think deeper. we will. I don't think we will. But but, but you know, I mean, like for instance, I don't know, but I'm reading this great book here. I'm holding up a book. It's called John Coltrane, His Life and Music. It's written by a guy named Lewis Porter. It's so cool. It's very, very geeky. I mean, he's got transcriptions and all sorts of things in here, you know, about from various times in his life. But really, the de what, what moves me the most about this book is the depictions of, first of all, his dedication to music and his dedication to studying music. And second of all, what the scene was like as he emerged and his stylistic things happened you know what i mean both things that would you know i mean look in comparison with today's world particularly the covid world uh is it's kind of strangely depressing and interesting but but i mean the guy you know like charlie parker like so many great musicians is, is an obsessive, you know, you can say crazy, you know, I mean, it was just like pedal to the metal the whole way, nothing but that, you know, kind of guy that would practice all day, go to the gig, play the gig, and then during, while everybody else was blowing, would go to the bathroom and practice while, you know, <laughs> while everybody else was blowing and come back out. I mean, that kind of, I mean, there's, there's like some craziness in this person and some, some obsessive compulsive that that is really, it's good to see in an honest light. And this guy, I mean, is painting a picture of, of a man who I've loved his music my whole life and who I think really as an artist developed, you know, throughout his career and did numerous things and can continue to evolve. And yet it's, it's at a really highly personal uh, human touch to Along with, you know, like literally pages of transcriptions of stuff to say, well, this is what he was doing here. This is what he was working on here. You know, it's a it's a it's a great book. You know, I mean, I'm really glad that a friend of mine turned me on to it and that I'm reading it. And I suggest everybody who's interested in this or knowing about somebody who's like that to get inside their life and find out what it's like. This is a really great book. If you like, you know, things like John Coltrane. <laughs> you know, just speaking, speaking for personal and personally, I don't read books that much. I, I'm sure I would like it, but I'll wait for the movie. Okay, well. <laughs> this, hey, Scott, you got to do your, you got to do your, um, your Southern 
uh, cousin accent when you say that shit. I don't read books that much. I don't read books much. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, do, what do you think? What do you, what do you think about Pepsi Cola and what happened to them, man? <laughs> They're all under. They were underwater, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't read books that much. I don't read books that much. I well, but 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 Scott, I just do want to say that there's numerous pictures in it and lots of hey, got some pictures in it. and lots of lots of transcribed music in it. Hey, that's well, I don't read them notes. Oh, but. okay. I mean, this guy did this, man. I just want to show you how thorough he was, and he showed like a lot of his stuff, like where he came up with his concepts, you know, drawings and stuff, but. There's one thing he did that, that just to me is like he transcribed Ascension. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, you know, of course, there's no bar lines because you couldn't have a bar line in it. But mm -hmm. I mean, that's some I'm sorry, man. You know, yeah, that's that's I just got to say, hey, you know, whatever. That's that's a lot of work. Why? I don't mm -hmm. I mean. You know, and <laughs> does and it mention? Analyze. Does it mention in the book? I mean, about his drug problems and yeah. why? Yeah, I mean, I, I, first of all, I want to say that I'm only halfway through, okay. so I haven't finished it. But yes, what happens at the end? <laughs> he dies at the age of forty. Oh, fuck! I'm, I don't need to read it now. <laughs> I wouldn't call that a a good thing, but. But, but no, no, it taught it stuff in 40 years. And how, and how different he related to it than other people, too. Because, mm. like, he was very much, like, we all like to think of all those guys as being junkies, you know. And a lot of them were, and a lot of them because of Charlie Parker, you know, they just wanted to be as good as Bird and thought that that was one of the secrets. Um, but he was never, like one of those guys that ripped people off or borrowed money or hawked things, you know, he, he's obviously a control freak. You can hear it in his music. You know, you, when you hear his story, the guy is like on a path and he realized that when he was like spending too much money and he couldn't maintain it, he like did some of the most outrageously self-disciplined cures for addiction. Mm -hmm. that, that most people most people if not almost everybody could never do because wow. he had so much willpower this is this is what you read about this guy this guy was like singularly focused and could do shit like that you know he was i mean he would practice all day long his wife would bring him lunch you know she just basically basically like feeding a dog you know throw the food on the you know and then walk away and he'd be there till he had to leave for the game, you know, and he'd come back and practice. And then he'd go to bed and he'd wake up first. And, you know, I mean, this was a guy who could actually kick heroin just by locking himself in a room, you know, mm -hmm. which is not the average person's that, ability. That's, that's a obsessive compulsive. Right. And I believe it is. I mean, I mean, you just read it yourself. I mean, I'm, I'm just putting words on shit. I'm, I find it incredibly um, interesting. I find it inspiring. I also find it horrifying. It's just like, it's everything. And wow. I mean, and that's, but, but that's what life is, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. 
come on, you know, I mean, we love the, you know, the little move, the little Hollywood turn on something, you know, and everything comes out in the end after 90 minutes or, you know, 120 minutes. But reality is, is, you know, it's a life, particularly somebody like him who started off with one thing and moved to another and moved to another and moved to another and ultimately was on a journey that nobody really understood but him. I mean, that's, that's beautiful. Too. Dude, hey, do you two guys are just talking on this topic now? And Bruce, you kind of opened up a, a question for me. Do you guys have people that you look at their lives in just complete awe of what they've achieved and just in like wonderment? I mean, I know you, Bruce, you're talking about this book and that, but do you have other people that just complete awe and wonderment? Wonderment? Is that a word? Yes. Oh, good. Uh, about their lives and what they've achieved and how, like, just how did they do that? And just so inspiring. Do you have people that stand out for you like that? Yes, I personally do. Who are your guys, Bruce? Well, I mean, it sounds to me like you're obviously talking about music. You well, know, it can be general. It could. I can generalize here. It can be beyond music, but, but I'm sure. It's, say, you know, I mean, I know my mother. Right. You know, my wife. Uh, I mean, to talk about people, not, I mean, not only music. Yeah, just give me some. Of course, music, a guy like Herbie Hancock, you know, to me. Wayne Shorter, to me. Coltrane and Bird, of course, you know, but they're gone. Of living people. I know, I know lots of musicians who I know personally, who I just am astounded by their uh, deep, beauty and ability to stay focused on their thing you know what i mean and yet at the same time remain so human you know which to me is a big part of it you know i mean i think we have a tendency to make hollywood heroes out of brilliant people when really their true beauty is their humanity Hmm. Scott, as you look at the stripper in front of you in that bedroom. <laughs> There's another. There you go. Right there. You got it. You know, yeah. Scott, who would yeah. you choose? I'm well, obviously, Zawinul, um, just because uh, uh, he was my, such a- my interest is my interest is not improvisation so much. You know, I don't really care about it that much. To me, the world's filled with millions of good players that I'm not impressed. Right. You know, I'm. Uh, there's just too many of them, but that's why I someone, don't do it. Someone uh, uh, who can actually like Mozart. I wasn't there, so I don't know if the stories are true, but I heard, you know, the grapevine of history that Mozart did not actually compose the improvised. That everything that is written on paper uh, that he composed was an improvisation. If that's true. And he never used the process of elimination to write music. Then he would be one of my guys that I would look up to. So Zawinul, um and possibly Wayne Shorter, because I've heard a little bit about that too. I don't know what's true and what's not, because I obviously I don't get to be in his studio and watch him write and watch him do what he does, you know. But but the people that that are really gifted composers are the people that I sort of like just lose it over. You know, they, they just, 
they awe me. They inspire me. You know, good players don't necessarily inspire me that much. Mm. There's too many of them. I mean, who doesn't inspire me? I can name 20 million players right now who are off the charts good. But so what? Right. You know, I mean, they're good. Bird was great. Coltrane was great. They're all great. You know, there's so many, you can't name them. Cannibal Adderley was great. Chris Potter is great, you know, but what have they written? That's what I care about. Mm. So when I listen to, when I, I, I want to, I, when I, when I hear the word musician to me, it involves composing. So I look at the musicians and I go, what have they written? And I look at their catalog and I'm very impressed by Led Zeppelin that they, that they put this massive, amazing catalog of music together you know that's just fucking unworldly you know or gentle giant especially gentle giant carrie minier and ray shulman and Derek shulman that they put something like 20 insanely beautiful you know records together of completely original music that's the shit that impresses me catalogs weather report you know wayne shorter's solo career not so much Joe's solo career. Joe's Joe, Joe Zawinul didn't really have that much of a solo career. He was basically a Bud Powell imitator, you know, for 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 the first years of his career. You know, he was sort of like a bebop piano player that didn't sound much different than any of the other bebop piano players. Right. But somehow, when he got with Cannonball, he got into playing Fender Rhodes, and he was one of the first Fender Rhodes players. And somehow he got catapulted into what he became, which is like almost like an innovative God, you know, in the music world. I don't know. I'll never know. And I'll never understand what that guy who was playing bebop piano play bebop piano with cannonball, how in the world he transitioned to be what to become what he became. And I think it has to do somewhat with the fact that he did play classical music for most of his young life, but that kind of got put on the back burner when he started playing jazz in New York. And also that he played Austrian folk music on accordion. And that got put on the back burner too, because it had obviously nothing to do with bebop. And then he took that, those two things and mixed it with bebop that he'd been learned through the many years of playing, you know, with cannonball and and learning and picking up synthesizer and somehow what happened happened but when you when you talk about the composing part of it the fact that here was a guy who could just sit there at the piano and improvise for 10 minutes and there you have birdland and it's done no should i use b minor or c minor should it be a minor or f major no thinking in the, of those lines in those lines or in that, that 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 type of thinking never ever used and you can ask just about any composer on earth have you ever used the process of elimination when you compose and every one of them will tell you of course i have to because i don't have the the incredible genius that it would take not to but some people are born with that gift and one of them was Joe. And so I saw him with my own eyes when I played with him. And it was a privilege and an honor to get to watch him sit there and play with nothing 
put a tape recorder in front of him and play. And when he finished playing for five minutes, you had a beautiful composition, not just rambling, not just like I hear these, all these solo guitar players I'm listening to play, not like those guys, because what they're playing is nice and it's interesting, but it's not a song. It's not a composition. It's just some nice chords, some nice melodies, some nice chords, a few licks, you know, some lines, some chords. And it's basically just rambling around. Doesn't mean it doesn't sound good, but it's certainly not a composition, something with form, something that is can stand up to Mozart or Beethoven. But Joe, he could. He could sit there and improvise. And how in the world do you improvise these insane musical harmonic phrases and then play all this other shit and then remember what you played and play it again. Mm -hmm. How's that possible? That's, uh, that's something that's indescribably uncommon, you know, like just m most people just can't do that. You know, we, we forget what we play unless we just played it. We don't remember what we played five minutes later, you know, but he had this ability to do that, you know, and there were some, there were some times where he would not remember things. And then after he'd written something, he would, he would say, oh, I'm going to go back and grab this piece and I'm going to put it here. So some of the things that he wrote were altered chronologically. You know what I'm saying? Like, a piece from the end might show up at the beginning. A piece from the beginning might show up at the end. He arranged a little bit what he had written. But to be able to do that, I can't think of one soul who can do that on the planet. So, or ever could, but Joe. So that's why he has my respect. And, and Wayne, of course, is also one of the great composers in jazz and just in music, period. Are you going to watch I don't, him? What's that? He's, he's, I see he's advertising a concert that's going to happen soon and yeah and, i i heard he's writing an opera well he's so, he's playing online soon you can tune in and live stream his live I concert we'll do that but he's another really brilliant brilliant composer and as many of his tunes that i've transcribed and like i said you know during the p pandemic i've been transcribing a lot i've transcribed about four tunes off atlantis and I didn't want to use, because they're already transcribed in the real book, but I refuse to use it. I want to do it by ear because it's better for me if I do it by ear. Right. Because it's just, it means more to me when I do it by ear. So I transcribe it myself rather than use the book. And besides, the book sometimes is wrong. So, so but hearing it and analyzing it and realizing that there's no scientific analyzation that can come to, that can bring reason, rhyme or reason to why he did what he did. You know, like I can't say, well, he went to that chord cause it's the sixth chord of the keys and there is no fucking key. <laughs> so there's no, there's no science behind it. It's all art, a hundred percent art. And you can't, you can't really analyze art. It's just what he heard and what he wrote. And I wish, if I had a wish in the world, it would be to be there while he's writing that stuff. So I could see how he does it. Hold it. It wouldn't be hookers and blow? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> if that's it, I'll order some myself. 
No, I just like to see him do it, you know, like just to see, see the thing. And that's, and then it's another thing that I've always wanted to be a fly on the wall at gentle for gentle giant, the same thing, like their composing process. Like, was it a band thing? I, I, I've heard it was mainly Carrie Minier, but I don't know, you know, it could have been, I'm sure like, you know, any band, everybody brings in things and everybody embellishes stuff that the writer brought in and makes it, makes the whole composition better than it could be because of everybody's input. But I'd love to see it happen. Right. I'd love to see it happen because I'm such a fan of, of that writing and that music. Um, I just give anything to, to watch it happen. To, to see a rehearsal, to see somebody bring in the tune and see what they went through to put it all together would be amazing for me. So, yeah. And Donald Fagan is another guy that I really admire. Um, I think Bruce said that his one time said he didn't like his music that much. But I think that that I, I'm guessing what you meant by that, Bruce, is that some of it can sound extremely arranged and... and um, you know, I'm just talking about the composing, not necessarily the arranging, because sometimes it sounds very super arranged, like almost over arranged. But, but. you know, and I mean, I'm, okay, I'll admit I'm not the world's biggest Steely Dan fan, and I like the You know, I like it fine. You know what I mean? It's not like I have this visceral dislike for it or disrespect for it. I mean, uh, but. Uh, I just kind of, it's, it's a thing and it just doesn't really, it doesn't resonate. It doesn't hit me in any, like, you know, it just doesn't like on any of those levels. It doesn't check the boxes for me personally. And, and it's not like something I don't like or don't respect or don't think is good, you know? Well, to tell you the truth, I wasn't really talking about Steely Dan in the first place. I'm talking about Fagan. That's a whole okay. different thing. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. a lot of a lot of my interaction with his music is through that band. Yeah. See, he's and, more jazzy than Steely Dan. You, you know? know. I know. I know. I know. And I mean, and I've heard of the other music too. I mean, I just you know, and I'm always open. I mean, you know, uh, like that song Asia that Wayne played on. Wow, what a great piece of music. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but Wayne Shorter plays on it, and it's just ridiculous. It's a, such a beautiful piece of music. And they, he has those things in his catalog that just are mind-blowing, but he also has filler stuff that I would say, oh, you wouldn't like that, because I'm not really, like, wild about it either. It's just a, it's just a one, four, five blues with, a, with an extra chord thrown in or something that's just kind of filler. But then there's these masterpieces like Asia, where you just go, holy shit, you know, that's some serious shit right there. So it's not, I'm not saying, you know, you can pick just about any composer and you're going to like a certain percentage of what they write and not like a percentage of what they write. I can say that about myself. <laughs> that's for sure. But, you know, about any writer, you're going to say, well, I like a certain percentage of their music. I would. Have I mean, and obviously there's, it's, there's a certain time period where it lives that also affects your your aesthetic reaction to it. You yeah, know? sure, of course. Of and, course. and that uh, that could I mean I, I accept all of these built-in biases and and 
awarenesses, you know, I mean, and it is what it is. And the beauty of it is that, you know, somebody who you might completely blow off, I might find completely earth shattering, you know what I mean? And that's, that's the beauty of music and art. And, and I'm, and, and I'm not going to sit and like dispute with somebody why something's good or bad. No, yeah. you can't because everybody's perspective is different. Right. So. Right. And, and, or what's important, you yeah. know, I mean, no, it's only what's important to you. Exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. I mean, but I mean, the question was asked and I answered it. Yeah. And uh, Me too. And I didn't mean to imply that I don't, find improvisation interesting because i do because i love that's what i do i improvise i love it but but to me it doesn't stand on its own merits to me to be to be worship to be worshipful of it you know i can worship it to a certain extent because there i do have my favorite players you know that are amazing players that have not written a note of music and i don't care because they're so good they're not writers so i look at them as being great musicians even though they're not composers they're still great improvisers and i respect them for what they do and look up to them for what they do but all i'm saying is what really floats my boat and gets me excited are the improvisers who also write and that i really like not only their composition their compositions and their writing like someone i look up to a lot is john mclaughlin because john mclaughlin brought to the guitar world a whole new very extremely innovative thing to the guitar world. And so did Holsworth. And those two guys kind of stand out to me because of not just because of their playing, but because of their whole concept that they brought, which was new and different and innovative and kind of turned the world upside down. Kind of they're, they're the real innovators that, that I go, wow, you know, that's, pretty amazing that it didn't exist before they brought it to, to, to being, you know? So I, I think there's a lot to be said for innovation and, and it excites me. Innovation does excite me. It gets, gets me kind of like, Whoa, what's going to be next? Who's going to be the next innovator? You know? And I, I, I like to think about it. It's not me, that's for sure, but I, I, it's going to be somebody. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to finding out who it is and what kind of music they're going to bring our way. Right. No, that's totally it. You know, and yeah, totally. Troy, back to you, Troy. News it's news that after well, this. I just gotta say, what do you guys think of the new Tyler Swift album? <laughs> <laughs> I will I'll tell you what I did here on TV that really impressed me. It was that keyboard player. Uh that narrows it down. Black girl singer plays keys and her name has something to do with keys. Oh, Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys. I win. I win. Yes. And wow, Keys, because, you know, my next video that I'm just about to make for my music masterclass is going to be about playing in, being able to play in various keys, being able to, to transpose and modulate. Yeah, but do we because, really need to? <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm going to play over a band. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why it's important. I'll tell you what. Hold on, can I just add this before you go there? I've been learning some yeah. tunes and they're like, oh, we normally play this in F because of the horn players. And I'm like, 
Fuck, I'll never play with a horn player in my life, so I don't give a fuck. I want to play it in guitar keys. Hey, play it he in is e. God's key. He is God's key. And don't, you, <laughs> don't anybody tell you different, because E is God's key. Okay, okay. I'm, that or a. I'm here to tell you, and I'm also here to advertise for my new video <laughs> that I'm going to make. Okay? I'm here to tell you, doofuses. Get away from your fucking wankatorium shit and learn to hear music inside your head. And by, by transposing through keys, this will force you to intuit harmonic motion and force you to understand intervallic relationships in a way that you never even thought they existed and will completely open up music to you in a new way. And this is the way, in order to even be functionally professional, I had to do when I was 17. And now, because of this fucking ass bullshit, read it off the stage and look at the iPad or the, the, the iReal book that'll transpose for you. We got a bunch of doofuses that just think that fucking making sausage is the way you play music, sticking licks over harmonies. Fuck that. <laughs> Learning to hear harmonic progressions and be able to intuit where they're going and move them through keys so that you start to hear other alternatives and learning to relate to music harmony as supporting melody, which is a big part of it, and learning to actually deal with the whole fucking thing instead of playing a bunch of fucking block-ass bullshit diagrams <laughs> over one key, because you remember, and if you forgot that it was only one bar instead of two, you're lost for the whole rest of the motherfucking <laughs> tune. Don't be that dumbass. Don't uh, be that dumbass. I can fix this. I'm Come signing up for this video. This is awesome. I need this I'm video. I'm just going to play an E and forget all about what he just said. <laughs> okay, that's okay. But play it real loud so you can drown me out. Right. I, what, I, I still agree with God's key. <laughs> I'm going to play an E. I, I, I ain't going to dispute God's key might be E, although I would prefer A and D myself. Hey, but, hey, I've, I've got a question for you guys. Wait, I love wait, both your me, answers. Sure, me, and I'm Jewish, you know, and our go God is my, weird. Uh, let me go back to my Alicia Keys statement. Okay. Oh, yeah. Keys, keys, keys. Yeah. So they were playing They were playing an, uh, an advertisement for it could have been the it could have been an iPad or an iPhone. I don't remember. It was It might have been an Apple ad, but it was an Apple ad and she was in it. And they started playing this stuff, and she starts off singing by herself, and then the music comes in, and when the music comes in, it was pretty badass. Right. Like, it was a chord progression that was really nice. Like, I'd never heard it. I don't think it's a familiar chord progression. I think it's something kind of new and different, but really nice. Like, great writing. And I was like, okay, somebody's writing some good pop shit. You know, and I've been meaning to buy the record because I want to hear that tune because that cool. tune caught me like this. It's some really nice chords. You fucking hip, dude. So with that, but it was just a TV ad. I mean, I have no idea. Maybe I'm going to hear the song and not like it, but, but I just know though. I like, I love the way it started. She's, she's, she's really she's good. Great. I, I do like she's talented. I mean, yeah, she's definitely really good. She's, she's a, a really talented. I, I have a question for you guys. Um, as a, a, a good uh, f a friend of ours, Ulf, is asking, 
Scott and Bruce should record an album together. Well, we could. That would, would be that would be a guitar wank first, and um, I could do. I, po- we, I think we should do an EP though. Just yeah, to do make an sure EP. I could do poetry over the top. If it was, if what would it be called, and what style would it be? Well, knowing me and Bruce, just knowing me, even it's going to be a whole bunch of styles already, just with me on it alone. So bring Bruce on it, and it's going to be even more different styles. So because he plays a whole bunch of different styles that I can't play, so you know that would it, be a very. It actually would be a lovely album, guys. Like I'm I, sure it would be. I yeah, think it would be, be pretty amazing. It would be fun to hear Scott on a Telecaster and an Overdrive pedal, but besides that, I think. You guys just doing what you guys do and the compo- the polar opposites. You guys are so funny. And I think this is why Guitar Wank is in the top 1% of all podcasts in the world. Top one. Top, <laughs> top one. one. <laughs> I'm going to buy another bottle of scotch on that. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> is that you guys... You guys say the same thing, but you are completely 180 degrees from you from each other. And That's it's, why we've been good friends, man. We've been going out to breakfast since like before the turn of the century and shit. You know, <laughs> we were lesbians before. We, we were tra- we were trans home trans heterosexuals, man. Right. Yeah, it would be good. I would love to hear an album from you. That might be a project that you guys should think about because just think about it. You guys, you mean I could finally use all my home studio shit? Yeah. And I mean, just our intro, just listen, hold it, just listen to our intro. Our intro sums up what the album could be right there. It's, it is such an amazing guitar wank. uh, What is, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. uh, Ejaculation? No, logo, not logo. What is the theme song? Theme song. Oh, sorry. It's an amazing theme song. You guys nailed that theme song. Could you just imagine a whole How long did that take us? Oh, that was just a basic all blues ripoff with a diminished look in it. I know, but it's so good. It's so good to us. To us mere mortals, I feel like you guys could do some amazing (laughs) shit. You know what, Troy? Uh, I'll tell you something about teams. You know, one of the reasons that teams work is because of the the, the opposite thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. like if you look at Weatherport, one of the reasons why they were so successful is because Joe and Jocko had this funk thing, one key funk thing happening that was basically came from Earth, Wind and Fire and came from all the funk bands of the day and James Brown and all that kind of stuff. And Wayne was more like the harmonic guy, all about chords and harmonic movement, you know, not saying that Joe didn't write that kind of music, too, but because he obviously did. But I'm just saying, when you look at the albums they did right after they right after Weatherport broke up, Joe put out a one vamp album, almost like a (laughs) Kinsey record of like African vamps. Right. And Wayne came out with Atlantis, which is basically one chord every quarter note. You know, so <laughs> that just shows you how different they were and how that difference, you know, went into making such a great band, you know, and, and there's a lot of other people that partners who bring completely opposite ends. But the one brilliant thing about it is when they have that mutual respect for each other, like I know that me and Bruce do, 
you know, that I can listen to Bruce's music and really like it, even though it's not what I was meant to do. And Bruce can listen to my shit. No, it's not what he was meant to do. Yeah. But the mutual respecting and the mutual admiration for what, what each other have accomplished. That makes that's that's why it's fun. Yeah. Because if we were clones of each other, this wouldn't be much of a show. Yeah. Right. Well, what, if, what if you guys did one tune, one song? But, but, but there, you know, you that, that, you know, and I just got to say, amen, Scott. And you know, that bullshit you hear, there's no I in team. That's a bunch of fucking bullshit. It's a bunch <laughs> of eyes in team and a great coach that can make all of the eyes work together for a common good. That is what's fucking wrong with the world is what he just said is that people can't like realize we all got different fucking perspectives, but we need to work together for the common good to make shit better. And if these motherfuckers ever tried to play music, they would know that in about 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's true. That, that almost makes me question sometimes my own political agenda at times. I'm not saying I'm going to become a Trump supporter, but, <laughs> but, when, but what I see sometimes is I see you know, like as much as I don't have any use for religion myself, uh, I understand because I've been raised around people and 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 that that do, and I have friends that are Christians and people of other different religious faiths, and I get why it works for them. I get it, you know. So when I see somebody voting for Trump just because they think in their mind that Trump is going to make it better for people of faith. I get that. I don't hate them for it. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't hate them for it. I can't hate them because they believe in God and because they have faith. I, I can't, I can't. There's a part of me that refuses to, to hate them for that. But do I hate racists? That's different. A, a Christian is not supposed to be a racist and a Christian is not supposed to be a homophobe. Right, a Christian is supposed to be accepting of other people and welcoming and supportive of other people. That's what a Christian means. Mm. But these people, they say they're Christians, but they don't act like Christians. Yeah. And how many people, how many philosophers have said, "I love your Christ, but I hate your Christians." You know, and 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 the fact that a huge majority of the Trump voters out there are Christians. It's like you can't hate them for because they believe in Jesus, but you can hate them for being racists and homophobes and and whatever the fuck's wrong with them or hypocrite hypocrites or whatever. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, let's face it, there therein lies the real problem. I mean, and I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you here, but I just do want to interject that hypocrite hypocrisy is not owned by one group of people. True. It, it is it is probably the one thing we all share is hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. We all do not base we you know we have a level of whatever, but we're all hypocrites. And as soon as we understand that, we can start to maybe find common ground here. But yes, I agree with what you said, Scott. 
but we're all hypocrites. I mean, well, how are we hypocrites? How am I a hypocrite? I want to know. I don't want to, you know, I mean, you know, you, 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 well, all of us, we talk about climate change, but we, you know, we drive our cars around, you know, needlessly. Yeah. We flush okay. our toilets needlessly. We, <laughs> we abuse our water amount of water we use i mean these are just small levels of hypocrisy no that's you true know? though we are i mean we we talk We're about all hypocrites that's, yeah. that's my point and if we can kind of just get past this sort of like stance of you're bad and i'm bad and you're bad yeah i mean i'm not a religious person and uh i don't care if somebody's a religious person or not but don't don't tell me you you believe in these teachings when you have these values, you know, I mean, that's hypocrisy. But at the same time, there's a person like me who, you know, who's going to do, you know, who's going to drive more miles than I need to in a year, you know, and, and pollute the environment and, you know, or whatever, whatever. I mean, we all have a level of hypocrisy, some far greater than others. My point is, that's not what we need to do is, is come together, like I say, to work for the common good. And when somebody wants to keep a status quo of of making it worse, then that's a problem. I mean, it has nothing to do with hypocrisy or not. It has to do with where we're headed. You know, I mean, the, the, the direction we're going, not the values we hold, but the direction we're going and where we're putting our money and our effort. That is where the rubber meets the road. Well, that all makes sense. But let me ask you a question. If. <laughs> If God created Adam and, yeah. and they had kids and them kids fucked each other to get us, don't that mean we're all from incest? Yes. That's exactly what that means. <laughs> well, God damn it. No wonder I'm so fucked up. I mean, there's no other way. I mean, I'm sorry, sir. There is. There is no other way to actually, uh, you know, I mean. Man, I knew I was fucked up for some goddamn reason. <laughs> but you don't know how many things were in the woodpile at that time. <laughs> we're going to put, we're going to put a name to that character, Scott. <laughs> That's Bubba. Bubba. That's perfect. Oh, I love Bubba, man. <laughs> So what you're saying is, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Oh okay. man. You know, I mean, what can what can we say? We, we we've gotten to the original sin here. I think you know, guitar playing ain't that important right. anymore. I I just say but, I think maybe before the show ends. I mean, not yeah. this show. Before well, I think we've already ended it. No, by before now. guitar wank ends. Before it, the, the 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 amazing podcast of guitar wank bullshit ends. I think one song with Scott and Bruce together, a full song would be pretty amazing. We release it. I, I think it'd be good. And all we'll the profits it. go to uh, the Troy McCubbin Fund. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll get him a fucking razor, man. <laughs> uh, well, now, I, now I guess I shouldn't post my evangelical Christians lions post because that would be hypocritical. Why? 
I don't know. It's so funny, course, but... everything. The whole point is everything is hypocritical. That is the beauty of us as human beings. You I know? just don't want to get banned from Facebook like Leland always. Does. Oh, oh man. Well, let me. Can I? Can I go off on Facebook right now? <laughs> I have been doing a week, a twice weekly TV show on Facebook for twenty five weeks. How do I know that? Because I have fifty episodes of that motherfucker. Woo! And they're all, luckily, I was smart enough to record them on a device while I was broadcasting live because Facebook has found ways upon ways to throttle it and make it bad. And now they're openly hostile to streaming on their live feed. They've even admitted it. And so it has basically, now look, when I started doing that TV show back, whatever, March, whatever it was, I didn't think I was going to do more than four or five of them. I thought we were all going to be back to work and the pandemic would be over, right? But now we're 50 episodes in and we've hit a milestone and I've decided that I can't put myself, but most importantly, the watchers through <laughs> the horrendous buffering, freezing, dropouts that Facebook platform gives you so i've given up on dealing with facebook anymore i've got my youtube channel where all 50 episodes are and i'm going to keep making episodes and posting them there which will be recorded because i can't trust any streaming platforms anymore they're all lame and unless you do kind of like the baked potato thing where you pay a shitload of dough and you have you know what i mean a whole thing of which I'm not frankly ready to do out here in the country, and I ain't got a bunch of IT people that, that can live in my 800 square foot house with me. You know, there's that saxophone player there, isn't he? An IT guy. <laughs> he's probably he's the original like IT, IT guy. guy, but he's the original IT guy. None of us would be doing shit without him. Don't forget <laughs> it. Um, but basically, so we've decided to move on. Grumps TV still exists, but it's no longer a twice-weekly Facebook event because Mark Zuckerberg has managed to take this away from us. And, you know, it's not weird because we're musicians, and, you know, the last thing people think about is us working a fucking gig. We're going to be the last to go to work, and they're just, just happy to kick us out of society. Well, fuck them. We're a bunch of cockroaches. We're going to still here and still be here. But I ain't playing this game. On Facebook, I'll tell people about it. But, of course, they'll never let my post be seen by people because I'll be asking people to go somewhere else to watch me. You know, I mean, come on. This is – let's face it. This is what Facebook wants. They want your eyeballs. They want you to waste a fucking hour of your life every time you turn it on so you'll buy something in the side. That's all they care about. And they want to know more and more about you so they can sell you more and more shit. You know what I mean? Okay. That's their model. But they never even called me and said, hey, Grumps, 50 bucks a month. We'll give you a good feed. Go for it. They just fucking made my life miserable, and they made the people who wanted to watch me even more miserable. And fuck that. So is, is, is that guy Mark Zuckerberg, is, is he um... – is he a douchebag or what? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can't blame him personally. I, it's like blaming yeah, God. For, blaming God for my flat tire. I don't really think that's the way it works. Is, is he a but Trump I think, supporter? I think, yes. Yeah, I, he is. Yes. The pervasive 
realtor has to come from him because he's the guy. He's a, really, are you, are you, are you serious when you he say he's a Trump supporter? I'm not sure if he is or not, but I think Who? I think Zuckerberg is a bit of a douche. But I, is, he a, is he a Trump supporter? Look, I, look sure. we're all hypocrites, but yes, according to everything I've ever seen, I've never seen anything to the contrary. Yeah. Because let me just tell you, I watched an interview with him and Dr. Fauci. It was about 45-minute long interview, and he did a great job interviewing Dr. Fauci, and he didn't seem have the, the 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 ridiculous anti-masker protester thing that I see with a lot of Trump supporters where they think the virus is a hoax and they won't wear masks. Are you talking about Fauci or Mark Zuckerberg? Mark Zuckerberg seemed I'm to be I'm not even very, talking about that. I'm talking about Facebook and their well, whole you know, model. I just, the I reason just, I just brought him up just because I wanted to talk about him for a second. I wanted to know what his personal thing is about because when I saw him interview Fauci, he seemed very liberal, like very on board with trying to follow science and slow the spread of the virus. And just, he didn't seem like your average Trump supporter to me. That's why I asked. It never seemed like a Trump supporter to me in any way. Mm -hmm. I mean, why, why would you assume that a person who's trying to control the world and make money off of all of us and <laughs> throttle our businesses will be a Trump supporter. That no, I'm, just, I'm just going by what I've heard. So I don't know. I've heard that he's a Trump supporter, and, I'm, and it doesn't even matter to me because basically my interaction with his platform, which I'm granted, I get it for free, so I understand he's watching me. Whatever I click, he's going to throw shit at me that entices me to stay on the site so he can sell me more shit. I've always known that was the relationship we had. But then yeah. I went on there to do my thing, something he offered up through Facebook Live. I took advantage of it, and it's been constantly crashing because why? Because he's worried about either a copyright lawsuit or because he wants money, more money out of me, but he never asked me for it. So it's just it's been this like frustrating mm -hmm. thing. And, you know, everything you see about him, he just cares. He wants to make money. Yes. And when he when you or I could interview Fauci, anybody, I mean, that's a whole different thing. That has nothing to do with the per person who runs. OK, another thing. My mother had a stroke, a devastating stroke, about four years ago. And she went to San Francisco General Hospital. And she was admitted to a wing, uh, a brand-new built, like, trauma center. You know what I mean? Like, unbelievable state-of-the-art hospital. And Mark Zuckerberg funded the whole thing. So... You know, the guy makes billions and with with 90 million or whatever, 900 million, I don't know how much he spent. Um, he built this hospital, San Francisco General, you know, which my mother got a week, her first week of her stroke experience. She got to like live. I mean, it was like, I can't imagine a better medical interface uh -huh. for anybody. And I went out of my way to try and find him and thank him, which was impossible, of course. So, I mean, uh, you know, on that level, you know, yeah. I mean, great. You know, I mean, on the Fauci level where he's like interviewing and getting good answers from a guy who knows stuff in, in a non-political environment, great. But when it comes down to business, which is the platform of Facebook, 
I got screwed, I feel. And I feel I was throttled purposely and I was not given a way out. And and I feel like my fans were cheated because of it. Luckily, I had personally the I don't even know where it came from because I'm this, you know, I mean, I have no tech savvy at all. I just thought, okay, I'm just going to record this because I can't trust the feed and I'm going to put the recording up on YouTube for archive. And because of that, I have 50 episodes up. You know, the first three or four, I tried to take the feed from Facebook and you'll see how shitty that is. And then it got better. It was really good for a while. And then about the last two episodes, right when he starts to say he's going to stop streaming live music, all of a sudden, I can't keep it going for five, ten minutes without it crashing or buffering or doing all sorts of stuff. And, you know, frankly, I'm sitting here talking to you out of my office 40 yards away from the modem, whereas when I would do the show, I'm connected via Ethernet to the modem, and I can't stay on. So don't tell me it's my Internet signal. Yeah, no. You know, I've had I've had my problems with Facebook, too, on a copyright level so, I mean, I want, but basically this gave me a reason to talk to our fans and say go, go to youtube there's 50 episodes of grumps tv there's lots of music playing there's lots of entertainment and fun and jokes and uh a, a really a lot of work there will be more i'm just not going to do it twice a week at five o'clock because i don't have this whole tv live stream set up so i'm just going to make episodes and keep creating but I just want to let our people know, please subscribe so you'll know when I put more stuff up. So I was saying that that um, Facebook is about 20 years behind YouTube when it comes to copyright infringement. Because like people would post stuff that they're not supposed to post on Facebook. Right. And Facebook makes you jump through hoops to get it off. And, and um, I've written two letters to my lawyer. I've written um, countless letters to the Facebook team, and it's just unbelievable that they're that backwards. That if some if someone does post something that's not supposed to be posted, good luck getting it off, because it's going to be there for at least a week until you finally, you know, threaten Facebook sure. enough for them to take it down. You have to actually threaten to sue them before they'll take it down. So it's just, it's, there's other issues too, not just the streaming, but their copyright thing is like a dinosaur where I've, I've told you guys before, YouTube has it together. YouTube, I'm a member of their, uh, what is it called? Um, content verification program. All I do is just go there, see my video and just hit takedown and press a button and it's gone. Boom. Takes two seconds because they know that touring musicians are out there touring, not wanting to people to tape their concerts with a fucking iPhone and put their shitty bullshit sounding videos up on YouTube. And there's so many musicians that hate that, including me. So they w- got to have a, a, a fix for that. So what do you do? You, you, you create a program for these artists and all they have to do is go up there and check a box. And that video is fucking gone. And the person who posted posted it gets a copyright hit that's how you're supposed to do it so right. youtube has it together facebook they're 20 years behind the times they have no fucking clue you know they they, they can't even imagine for a second that 
bands are on tours and people are taping them, making these shitty fucking iPhone videos of bands and uploading them to Facebook and Facebook doesn't have a contingency plan for that. What a bunch of fucking idiots. So there you go. It's just another way they fail. You know, they're just, they're just, uh, not together. I'll, I'll let Zuckerberg know. Yeah, you tell him when you see him. Well, no, I mean, but I was using it for a different purpose, you know, and I mean, but I just got, I, and I understand, I got caught up in the, you know, collateral damage of it all, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and the reason I was doing it on Facebook is because I've got so many followers there, you know, so when I do it, there's more people likely to see me, you know, but it's over, you know. Well, it sucks that they 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 uh that they decided to do that. I mean, all of a sudden, I don't know. I didn't, honestly, I don't watch. No, they, they they've actually made a statement that they're going to do it. Oh, yeah. see, I don't I don't really watch stuff on Facebook, so I wouldn't know. I I I'm not a Facebook guy in the first place. I just have my little stupid music page, and I post stories every once in a while. That's it. I, it's nothing to do with streaming, so I don't know anything about it. And I don't watch streaming on Facebook either, so I don't even know when or what. Or I didn't even know they had streaming on Facebook until you started doing it. Yeah. You know, and you told me about it. I didn't even know they had streams on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook Live. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, so that's what that is when everything, every once in a while something pops up and it says so-and-so is live now. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never hit one. You know, ever. I gotta say, there's a lot of people that shouldn't do that. Well, they, well, <laughs> they like you. There's a lot of people that just shouldn't do Facebook Live. It's just, well, you know what, just because you have that technology, it doesn't mean you need to use it. There's a lot, you know, a lot of, people. of people I know, they sit on the toilet and they put it on Facebook Live. Like, just don't. You know what? I don't need to see you playing your little gig in fucking bum fucking cabaret. I, you know where, you know I, where I'm coming from? I, I don't swear know. to God. And I am not against Bruce doing his shows. And I'm not oh, against thank you for that. videos. But you know what? I'm not going to be one of those guys. And I sort of believe that absence makes the heart grow fonder. There you go. And so I, I like when that. When I go do my gigs after this fucking pandemic is over, nobody's going to have seen me on any platform other than on the stage yeah. where I belong. So, you know, that's all I have to say about it. If they uh, miss okay, me, okay. they miss me, but that's how I feel about it. I'm just not going to be that guy. Sometimes and, less is and more. I'm not against anybody that's doing it because everybody I know is um, doing some kind of show or some kind of stream or some kind of thing where they're playing. Just about every jazz guitar player I know is on the internet now playing it's, their jazz. It's getting guitar. a little desperate. That's what it's getting. Well, it's like I'm you not, know, look I'm at me. I'm in wait my bedroom. Look at me. I'm practicing this piece. Look at wait me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's like for fuck's sakes, pull. I don't right, know. That, I mean, I'm not going to speak for everybody else. I'm going to speak for myself here. And and, and you don't have to, Bruce. You, we're, you don't have to defend yourself. We're not. No, yeah, I'm not, we're not talking about you. I'm not. I'm not defending nothing. You know. Um, basically, I went into this with a whole different approach to what I do and what I want to present to the world. I I am very well aware that I do not want to present what I do on the stage to the world for free on an internet context. I never wanted to do that. I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong 
that we should do that because we're devaluing what we do. But what this gave me the opportunity to do was start a TV show, which is something I would never do on the stage and something I've always wanted to do and a part of myself to, 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 to nurture writing, theme-oriented entertainment, you know, and creating things like that. And so this gave me the opportunity to present a whole new side of myself and to challenge myself in a completely new way and in a way that doesn't in any way represent what I do on the stage in terms of like what people will pay for when I go back out into the commercial world when it opens up. This was totally a a reinvention or a new invention of something I wanted to create and bring to the world in exactly the media and medium that it lives in television, you know, I mean, except for, of course, I can't get Netflix to pay for me and I can't get NBC to pay for it. So I'm just going to do it myself on Facebook. Have you tried TV. Fox? Huh? <laughs> Have you tried Fox? No, I haven't. You know somebody there? You know, I mean, but my point is, is I wanted to develop a TV show, a kind of a, a post Firmwood Tonight, I Love Lucy kind of whacked out reality show of of entertainment where yes i do play but that's only a part of what i'm doing i'm also writing songs and and you know having guests and creating a whacked out like inviting people into my world that was my intent with this show it still is my intent with the show and i don't feel in any ways i do feel the streaming and people practicing always on the internet and playing long form shows is a detrimental to the overall commerce of our reality. Yeah, that's what I'm pissed off. I have about. avoided it. I do play on Instagram every day. I play a, a chorus different. day. Yeah. It's like my little morning thing where I just play and I perform for people. To me, that doesn't seem to conflict with what I'm going. You know, if you want to come hear me play and and really play, you're going to have to come hear me play. What you hear on Instagram is a is 50 seconds, 40 seconds of the first thing I play every day over a specific song. And it's a way to keep my community involved and to build it up bigger yeah, while we're you're kind not, of you're not, that you're not shitting no, in no, the bucket. Pointing out that, that there is actual thought here behind yeah, what I'm Of course. That's I, look at me, look at me. I'm not that's a fucking obvious, man. Bruce. That's really obvious. The people I'm talking about are just shitting in a bucket. They're turning record on just to return record on. They're not thinking about it. They're like, look at me, look at me. They're not, there's no end well, game I in think, it. I think what it is is there's a desperation to yes, be. Desperation. There's a desperation to be who you were before all this pandemic thing happened. But there's also also the desperation where you, right now the music world is really kind of weird. I mean, believe it or not, you and I are working as many and as good gigs as James Taylor or John Mayer or Wynton Marsalis, you know, I mean, we're all the same right now. There's a moment in time where the democratization of the music industry has happened to, so we're all equal. We're all not working. And guys who book clubs and guys who book festivals are now people we don't talk to because we don't get anything from them. And we, you know, they're the assholes that we had to deal with a lot of times that we didn't really like, but pretended to because we wanted to get something from them. AKA a gig. But um, now this world has become open. And so a lot of people 
are seeing this as an opportunity to build a brand and to build something so that when the world reopens, they will have a foothold in, 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 from an environment where there was not as much noise and competition. You know, I don't what I mean? think there's any really thing in, in uh, we're talking about two different things. One is an unknown guitarist who wants to build a following and using the internet to do so. I don't see anything wrong with that. What I'm talking about is the guys who are already famous, who need to find a need to be on the internet playing every day, the need to have an audience. And because they play so much during the year that they feel desperate that they're not playing. So if I don't have an audience live, I'm going to have an audience on the internet. Okay, so so obviously you said famous, so that doesn't include me. Who well, are you? Who no, are you no, really all all I'm saying, my statement was simply that sometimes absence makes the heart grow fonder. Right. Okay. And, okay. And, okay. And so but what I'm used is, to is there is, a famous artist that you, you, you that you see regularly doing all this? the time? You want to mention who it is or no? no? Okay. No, but I see it all the time. Okay. What I what I'm saying is that is that. See, I'm a different, a little bit of a different animal because I don't play 365 days a year. Um, I, I go out and tour maybe four or five tours a year for three weeks, right? Or a month at the most. So I'm, I'm home a lot and I'm home without playing gigs a lot. I know what it's like to be home and not playing gigs. I don't mind it. I like it. Gives me time to write. Gives me time to practice gives me time with my daughter, with my doggies. I'm fine with it. You know, I'm not a worker bee, never have been. So I don't care that I'm not working every night. I couldn't care less. I never did in my life work every night. I'd, I'd do a tour, then I come home and I'm not working. Doesn't mean I can't practice. Doesn't mean I can't write music. Doesn't mean I can't be involved with music just because I'm not doing it in front of a crowd. So I think that there are, there is a type of musician who's not like me, who needs to be in front of a crowd pretty much every night, because that's what he's used to. So he needs to play for people, and if if the pandemic says that there can't be any people, he's going to play on the internet, because he needs that thing to play every night in front of people. And I'm just saying, I'm not that guy, not necessarily because I think it's wrong. But I'm not that guy because I'm used to not playing. I, it's okay that I'm home and I'm not playing. I don't care. You know, I got other shit to do. I got writing to do. I got practicing to do. It's okay. I don't have to play every night. So that's why it's easy for me not to, oh, shit, I got to get the webcam and play giant steps in front of people. Because if I don't, oh, shit, people will miss me. I don't have that mentality. That's no. all I'm saying. Not saying that either way is right or wrong. It's just different. I'll say yeah. it's wrong. What's that? I'll say it's wrong. <laughs> okay. I'll say, all you motherfuckers out there just posting shit to post shit, stop it. There's no need. <laughs> like, fucking do something. If you're going to post something, make it worth it. But just don't post you practicing some fucking thing that you worked out in the last hour. Come on. Like, Fucking hell, man. That's what's sad well, to me. You know, I, have to, I have to say there have been some valuable things. I mean, Oh, for sure. There's amazing shit, too. A, a friend of mine, Zach Jones, posted this um, beautiful 
um, I don't know whether I'd call it a lesson or a tune. It's kind of a composition within itself. It's really beautiful, but it's sort of like a half composition, half seminar on open string voicings. And it's short. It's only maybe a minute long, but I, I really studied it and I really got into it for, and I was really happy that he posted it because it was, it's brilliant. It's brilliant, beautiful voicings and beautiful use of open strings. And so I'm glad he posted that because to me, that's like, wow, man, yeah, thank you. for I thanked him for posting it because I really, really enjoyed watching it and learning from it. So that's different. Well, there you go. And in fact, I have posted, uh, what is it, like a dozen or so? How many lessons, one-minute lessons on the Guitar Way yeah, patron? That's, that's all really different to what I'm talking about. But, yeah, that's all valuable information. Yeah. How many have I posted? Thirteen. How many? Thirteen. Thirteen. That's a bad luck number. But anyway. <laughs> you know, I don't think that's what Troy's talking about. Troy's no. talking about the guys who just are sort of just like. Well, you can tell they're the guys because they're looking at the camera and they're like checking themselves out and they're trying to, <laughs> you know, you're like, dude, dude, this isn't, this isn't how it works. This isn't helping you. It's making you look like a tool. So, um, yeah, they're, they're the people I'm pissed off about. But, you know, I just delete a lot of people, which is fine by me. I mean, I don't need to see you playing that shit. Yeah, I guess it just, um, it, it's, everybody's different. I mean, I've seen stuff that I, makes me feel the same way. I, I go like, dude, why are you doing this? Yeah. Uh, then, but then I've also seen things like, like I said, like Zach, where I went, wow, this is oh, yeah. really some I, nice I shit. see, you know what, a guy, um, a guy we should get on the show, I want to get on the show, Joe Robinson. Australian guitarist, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's fucking badass. badass. Love Joe, love what he's doing. He's he's doing amazing shit. We're gonna have him on the show. I want to do. What kind of style does he play, Troy? Tommy Emmanuel. Tommy Emmanuel kind oh, of stuff, cool. but he also sings fucking amazingly. And you know, he's he's got. The, <laughs> he reminds me of the Seinfeld episode. We remember when El, uh, uh, Elaine was dating that guy with the blue eyes that would they would always do the blue eyes thing. Have you remember that yeah, episode? Like I don't know, but he, he had these blue eyes and they had made a big deal about the blue eyes. Joe's got the blue eyes. So he's not only fucking badass on guitar and then the motherfucker sings amazing, but then he's got these blue eyes. He's just, he makes you kind of melt like, oh, dude, you're making me sick. You, you're good looking. F you've got everything going on. I hate him and love him at the same time. He's too good. Hey, hey Troy, you do realize that there will come a time where you're going to have to watch that potty mouth around the little one. I uh, know she know she knows that she can't. She's not old enough to use those words. I know, but I'm saying there's going to come a time pretty soon where where <laughs> your wife is going to be pissed that you're talking uh, that way around Chris, her. Chris, Chris, tell them what you say when you say "Don't mess with me." Don't mess with me. Can you do that one? No. Oh, you won't do it. She's. I've got yeah. her saying, "You want to fight? You fight me, motherfucker." <laughs> uh oh. Because I remember there was a time. When I had to like really cool it with the language because, uh, you know, it's but, too I, but you know what? In the end, it all works out because now she's 16 and she cusses more than I do. So it, our household is so used to me cussing. Actually, the boys, they don't they never cuss and I cuss constantly. They just know that they're not old enough to use it where I'm. I'm too old to use it. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, it's weird when you pay the bills, the kind of things you get allowed. 
to, to do, yeah. you know, the freedoms you yeah. get. Anyways, I've run out of scotch, so I think yeah. I'm going to have to call I, it night. Yeah, i got to get oh. this kid to bed because she's – Okay, guys. So. Good to see you. Well, it's sorry great. I did, sorry I didn't get drunk enough to, like, embarrass myself like Robin Ford did. But anyway. <laughs> he didn't embarrass himself. He was great. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. But um, not, I, not I thought you would have shown us your tits tonight. I was not until after we turned off the tape, at least. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, I really appreciate that photo you put up of last podcast with me laying in bed like this. Yeah. <laughs> it was so such a flattering picture. Thanks a lot, Troy. Appreciate well, it. Well, give me, know, give me good ones. <laughs> I don't. I can't make good ones. I don't have the talent to make. Good I ones. I don't have the. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. I lack the talent. There you go. Bruce has got the best one right there. That's there amazing. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like that actor on TV on the Doritos commercial. Oh the shit! Yeah, you could have mustache goes like you this. Said, you could have said Irwin Corey or something, man. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Who's who's that? What's the name of that actor on the Doritos commercial? I don't he, know. He's able to wiggle his mustache. Yeah. Going, all right, I'm, I'm doing a photo now. Give me a pose now. Give me a pose, guys. All right. I'll fix it in Photoshop. Don't worry about it. Oh, man. You can't fix that, man. Not even Photoshop can Do fix you see that. This? Do you see this? This thing on my on the pad. Yeah, it's it's you know a headboard, right? You know what that's from? What? what? That's from in the morning when I when I come out of the shower and I've just had a shower. My hair's wet, and and then I put my head up against this to read my email, and it's pretty much just completely ruined. This, this <laughs> oh, I thought that was a shadow. Oh, no, okay. it's not a shadow. I thought that was artistic. <laughs> no. The moisture from my hair has just ruined it. And I go, I should probably get another one because I've got good ones. Oh, my God. You know? That's hilarious. I think I should probably replace this one. But I say, no, I'm just going to do it to it again. So what the hell? Just keep it. I think, but you, it looks, I think you ought to just spray the other, spray it with something. Yeah, it looks horrible, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> looks really bad. It's broken. And I say... Maybe you put been a You've been spewing on that. Yeah, put a picture of Charlie Parker over. You know. <laughs> All right, me, me, and me and the little one are gonna go to bed. All right, see you guys. Bye, I don't want to hear about that stuff, man. Say goodbye, Cressida. Doing your personal life is your own thing, you know. <laughs> good night, you little gooder. Say goodbye. Good night, Cressy. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. <laughs> oh, so shy. God, what a disappointment. Right. Okay, but yeah. one of many today. <laughs> normally, <laughs> normally she'll say, "You want to fight? You fight me, motherfucker." Okay. You guys. Uh, you guys try not to have too much fun while I'm up here right. kicking the balls. Okay, bye. 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 <laughs>